Hey, everybody, welcome to the Addiction Unlimited podcast, where you get to learn everything you want to know about addiction and recovery. I'm your host, Angela Pugh, co-founder of Kansas City Recovery, life coach, and recovering alcoholic. To learn more about me, you can listen to episode zero on your podcast app or find us on the web at addictionunlimited.com. Hello, my friend. Welcome to episode number 200 of the Addiction Unlimited podcast. I'm your coach, Angela Pugh, life coach, recovering alcoholic, and entrepreneur. And this is a coaching podcast about healing, recovering from life, and becoming a better person so you can feel good, be happy, and like who you are. That's what we're doing around here. You guys, can you believe it's episode 200? Like, first of all, I have to say thank you to all of you because obviously none of this would be happening if it wasn't for you. (laughs) This has been such an incredible journey and I wanted to do some sort of great celebration for episode 200, but I forgot to put it in my schedule (laughs) to do something, to plan something. So um, we're just doing a regular podcast episode, but I'll make a deal with you. We will do some sort of celebration for episode 250. How's that? That'll be at the end of the year. It'll be holiday time. That's my favorite time of year. So we'll do some sort of celebration for episode 250. I think also because we have uh, the dry January Kickstarter boot camp going on this whole month of January. It's been The boot camp, which has been phenomenal, by the way, it's been so much fun. There's so many people in there engaging. I created a little pop-up Facebook group, which just means it pops up and it's around for the boot camp and then it'll go away. It will disappear. Uh, But it's been phenomenal, you guys, so much fun, all the people showing up in there and sharing their journey. And I've been live in there constantly and it's been a blast. But with all of that going on, And now I have open enrollment. The next six-week program group is getting ready to start. So if you're interested in that, go to myrecoverytoolbox.com and get a consultation with me because enrollment is open right now this week to start the next group of six-week people. So all of these things have been happening. And in all of those things, I didn't really get to plan anything for episode 200, but I'm so excited and I'm so grateful to you guys for being on this journey with me, especially those of you in the Addiction Unlimited Facebook group, because I could not survive this whole deal if it wasn't for you guys. (laughs) If I didn't have you guys to go in and really interact and engage with and hear the things that you're talking about and just get to become friends, you know, just like we are, even in sober society, the member community, like those interactions and engagements mean so much to me because You know, when you're doing a podcast, like I'm just standing here in my office with my microphone and my dog, you know, (laughs) like it's not, it's a very lonely world in podcast land. So to have those opportunities to engage with you guys and really get to know you as people is truly the lifeline of this whole thing. So thank you. I love you guys so much. Thank you for being a part of my world and for making this podcast so successful. 
it blows my mind. Like how many downloads we're getting, the level of engagement, the level of fun we have is truly incredible. And you guys are definitely like my second family. So I love you. Thank you. Happy 200th episode. And another thing to celebrate, okay, I'm starting a lot of new stuff this year. I'm doing some different things in all of my programs. The six-week program got a facelift. Um, The Sober Society membership, I just did a whole video for them about the new components I'm adding to that. Super excited. But I'm also going to start doing some things where I'm going to randomly pick a few people every month. And when I say a few, I don't know how many that is. It might be 10, it might be 20. I don't know. But I'm going to be randomly picking some people from our community and I'm going to be sending gifts and sending cards and things like that. So the reason I bring this up is because I want to tell you guys, if you get a random message from me or my assistant Reagan or one of our community managers like asking for your address, I just want you to be clear. I will never ever send you something in the mail that like says addiction or sobriety. Like I will not do that, you guys. I'm not dumb. I'm not new. I know that we have to practice a lot of discretion in this world because not everybody is out and proud like me having a podcast, right? Like I get that. I will always protect your privacy. And you may even notice this with my emails. Like I never put anything in the subject line that says anything about addiction or recovery or sobriety because that stuff, those notifications pop up on your phone. And I know maybe your family is there or friends or whatever. So I will never put any kind of identifying anything. If anything at all, it would be my name. And I'm a life coach. I'm a master coach. So I'm kind of harmless, but (laughs) I just want you to know that. Do not be scared if you get a message like asking for your address. It's just because I want to send you something randomly, and I'm going to be doing that pretty consistently, and I will always protect your privacy at all costs. So just know that. That's my little disclaimer for the day. Now, listen, let's delve into this topic. Uh, This was inspired for me by one of our Sober Society VIP members, and I love her. She's fantastic. I'm not going to call her out by name because I didn't get permission to do that, but she is incredible, and we've been working together for quite a while now. And one of the things that she has said to me several times is she has some frustration that there is not more information about post-acute withdrawal syndrome. So I titled this episode, The Science of Sobriety and How to Feel Better Faster, because post-acute withdrawal syndrome is the science of sobriety, right? This is a huge component in what's going on with us internally when we get sober. Now, you can't, in the professional world, we call it PAUSE, P-A-W-S, post-acute withdrawal syndrome. So you can Google that and you can learn a lot more about this. I also made you a quick start guide because I want you to have some hands-on start right now to feel better tools to conquer post-acute withdrawal. So I made you a quick start guide called Feel Better Faster, and you can get that at addictionunlimited.com forward slash 200. 
addictionunlimited.com forward slash 200. Now, here's the deal. Acute withdrawal is what happens immediately, right? This is what we call withdrawal or detox. This is with alcohol and benzodiazepines, which are anti-anxiety medications, Um, not only anxiety, but panic attacks, right? Xanax, Valium, Clonopin, those are benzodiazepines. Alcohol and benzos are incredibly dangerous withdrawal processes to go through. This is why everybody will tell you, even when you guys post in the Addiction Unlimited Facebook group about going through withdrawal, what should you do? Does anybody have any tips? I will always tell you, you need to go see a doctor. If that means going to the ER or whatever, and here's why. Alcohol and benzodiazepines are the only withdrawal cycles that you can actually die from. This is pretty serious. What makes it even more serious is that there's no rhyme or reason how it affects one person over another. It's not that if you drank more or you took more pills, you're at a higher risk. It doesn't work that way at all. Nobody knows why it affects people differently. There are seizures specific to alcohol withdrawal that make it also incredibly dangerous. So everybody will always tell you, go see a doctor just to be checked out medically, have your vitals checked, and just know that you're okay. You know, I was a daily hardcore drinker. I drank a lot for a long time. And my withdrawal was kind of like having the flu. It wasn't terrible. I mean, it wasn't great. Don't get me wrong. Like, I don't want to do it again. But but I really felt like I had the flu. I had body aches, chills. I don't remember getting sick. Like, that wasn't a part of mine. But I'm not a big get sick person anyway, as in throwing up. Like, I've never been a throwing up person. Even drunk, that was never a big part of my story. So that probably just isn't part of my makeup. But I definitely felt I was sick for sure. And I just laid on the couch with my dog at that time. I had a different dog. Then I had one of my Rottweilers. And me and my Rottweiler just laid on the couch together. He was very patient and understanding, thankfully. And I had no idea it was dangerous. And I would have thought, especially because the level that I drank, how much I drank, I would have thought I was at much higher risk. But again, it doesn't work that way. There's no rhyme or reason. That's why we always tell you go see a doctor because nobody knows if you're going to be a person that has a seizure or if you're not. So just go to the dang doctor, okay? But (laughs) that's the acute. That's what happens immediately, right? Acute is sudden onset. It happens right now. So post-acute, post-acute withdrawal syndrome, post-acute means after that, after the sudden stuff. This is what happens next, post-acute. So there's more to drug and alcohol withdrawal than just the physical symptoms. And I think anybody that has had any attempts at sobriety really understands this. So the acute withdrawal, your initial withdrawal or detox, is your body's process of flushing, right? It's your body's process of getting all that crap out of it and flushing. All your organs have to detox. Some of that takes longer. 
but it's your body's process of healing. The second phase of withdrawal, post-acute withdrawal, is your brain's process of recalibrating, right? Your brain has to recalibrate after active addiction because active addiction hijacks your brain and all of its processes. So where the wiring gets a little tricky with addiction and depression, anxiety, ADD, it's in our pleasure center, okay? And what happens is when you take drugs and alcohol, the euphoria that you feel, the happiness, the that numb, right? That's what we all love. We don't drink because we love drinking. We drink because we like how it makes us feel. And that's how we start to develop this abnormal relationship with alcohol because we get addicted to how it makes us feel and it gives us that numb. And what's happening inside of you is alcohol and drugs go in and they cause a rush of your natural feel-good chemicals. Dopamine, endorphins, serotonin, oxytocin. These are all of your feel-good chemicals. So drugs and alcohol go in and they create a rush of all that stuff. And you feel fantastic, right? All the weight of the world falls off. You don't have a care in the world. Everybody's laughing and high-fiving and having fun. That's because you've got a rush of all of those natural feel-good chemicals. Now, the crappy part of that, when you are a chronic alcoholic or drug user, your brain stops making that stuff. Your brain sits back and is like, okay, well, you're introducing this substance and it's doing this for me, so I don't need to do this anymore. Again, I want to stress, you guys, these are your natural feel-good chemicals (laughs) and your brain stops making them. (laughs) This is not good. So you take the substance away. So the substance isn't creating the euphoria and your brain isn't making the chemicals. How good do you think you're going to feel? And this is something we call anhedonia. Anhedonia is, you'll find it worded a lot of different ways. The inability to feel pleasure is probably the most popular thing. Um, reduced interest in activities. (laughs) That's another one I saw. Uh, You don't have an interest in things that you used to enjoy or, you know, that decreased ability to feel pleasure and inability to feel pleasure because you don't have those natural feel-good things happening anymore. So post-acute withdrawal is your brain's process of recalibrating. So your brain's going, huh, okay, hang on a second. Now, you haven't been giving me that substance to cause this flood of the natural feel-good things. So if you're not giving me the substance, am I supposed to start making that again? I need to do that? Okay, okay, I can do that. This is your brain recalibrating. So then you're going through this process where your brain's like, okay, I don't know how much to make, so let me try this much. Does that work? Or maybe this is too much. 
It's always not enough, by the way. It's never too much. <laughs> but, but that's what's happening. Post-acute withdrawal is your brain's process of recalibrating and figuring out what the heck is going on and how it needs to adapt to this new normal. Now, let me give you some symptoms of anhedonia, um, social withdrawal, right? Because you lose interest in things that you used to like to do. So social withdrawal, um, diminished pleasure from daily activities, meaning little mundane things can really start to feel burdensome. Um, isolation, right? Lack of relationships. Like you're not engaging in your relationships anymore. And and you're withdrawing from your previous relationships and friendships. And that might be family. It could be anybody. You lose interest in your hobbies. You just don't want to do that stuff anymore. Or loss of libido. You lose interest in sex. Your physical intimacy, your desire for physical intimacy goes away. This is what happens because our brains are hijacked because of alcohol and drugs. So when you're going through post-acute withdrawal, your brain is just trying to get back on track and it is a roller coaster ride. This is also one of the main players in why people relapse. Because how you feel in post-acute withdrawal can be really bad. And I always say your regular withdrawal detox phase, you're really probably going to feel pretty crappy the first seven to 10 days, right? You're going to be low energy, especially the first five days for sure. Like your body is just flushing and your energy is going to be low. You might not be sleeping well. You might be getting sick. At some point in there, you're going to be able to eat again. But it, it's a physical roller coaster, right? Right. And I listen, give it two weeks, really 10 to 14 days. That's when you start to kind of feel a little bit better and the weight of withdrawal starts to lift a little bit. And then you're going right into this brain recalibration phase, right? It has to reboot. So let's talk about some symptoms of post-acute withdrawal and what this really looks like, okay? This is after your detox phase, right? And post-acute withdrawal, again, because this is your brain's process of healing. So these are primarily psychological and mood-related symptoms. And I'm going to put this in your quick start guide to feel better faster. Again, you can get that at addictionunlimited.com forward slash 200 because this is episode 200. And you're going to have all of this information in there and more. I'm going to put a bunch more information in there about things you can do. We're going to get a little bit deeper into some of this stuff and how to solve these problems. I want you to have action that you can take right now to feel better right now. That'll all be in your quick start guide, addictionunlimited.com forward slash 200. Okay, pause symptoms, inability to think clearly, memory problems, emotional overreactions or numbness, sleep disturbances, physical coordination problems, and stress sensitivity. I mean, seriously, you guys, does that say it perfectly or what? <laughs> like that sums it all up right there. That's your first year of sobriety right there. 
Now, okay, and there, I just said first year of sobriety, so let's get into that. The timeline, post-acute withdrawal symptom timeline. And this can be different with different drugs too. But I'm going to give you just the most simple way to think about it. This is definitely going to be your first few months of sobriety because, again, your brain is recalibrating. Your brain is a magnificent organ. Its abilities are unbelievable. But that thing does not heal quickly. Okay. (laughs) And you know, I love to talk about the brain and what it does and how it affects us because for me, in my early recovery, understanding the brain process for me was the first thing that made me feel like I was fixable. Before I understood the brain part of addiction, I just thought that I was broken and defective and that I would just die broken and defective. I didn't think I was fixable. But once I understood it from a brain standpoint, I was like, oh, okay, so I just have to follow through on these behaviors, retrain my brain, let it heal, like leave the dang thing alone and (laughs) stop giving it substances, let it rest. And I knew if I just stuck to the right actions and really working on myself for long enough, right, that my brain would heal. And that's the truth. So this was such a pivotal thing for me to understand the brain processes. That's why everything I coach you on is about brain processes and science-backed because that's the stuff that I know I can believe in, that I know works, and I can share it with you. So post-acute withdrawal, I'm going to tell you, is going to be your first year. It doesn't always last a whole year. I think I have read things in the past that say you can have some symptoms into two years. But I'll tell you for sure, you're going to feel a lot of this stuff for sure, I think up to nine months. And it can feel just overwhelming, you know, where... Your anxiety is high, like this uh, stress sensitivity. You're going to have a tendency to overreact to things because you're sensitive, right? I remember for me, for sure, early on, I was so foggy. Everything was foggy. My short-term memory was shot. Like, it was hard for me to focus on things. I didn't have a lot of cravings because I really just wanted alcohol so far away from me. Uh, so I didn't have a lot of cravings or, you know, urges to drink. I was lucky in that way. But I definitely could overreact to things, you know, like I would fly off the handle, the tiniest thing would happen and I'd be in tears calling my sponsor, telling him God hates me. And (laughs) like, I think back on it now and I'm like, oh goodness, that was really something. But it's just because your brain is just going crazy. It's on its own roller coaster ride. You can also feel really sad, right? Like we talked about that anhedonia. While your brain is recalibrating, you can feel really sad because it's having to figure out how to get back into action and how to perform properly for you. Um, You'll have a hard time focusing. The mood swings, you know, one second you're happy, the next second you're crying, the next second you're screaming at your kid. Like it's just, 
Your brain is on a roller coaster ride. And I want you to understand that because I don't want you to internalize it and be angry at yourself and think that you're doing it and you're a bad person and pile more guilt and shame on yourself because that's just not the case. This is an internal process that you're going through and it takes a while. That's all. Your brain is not working on your timeline. Your brain is working on its timeline. What you can do though is take some actions to feel better. There are a lot of things you can do to help your brain heal. This is one of the things with exercise, right? Because again, one of those feel-good chemicals is endorphins. What do you hear about runners? Why do you think so many people in recovery become runners? You know, it's endorphins. It helps you feel better. And dopamine, this is the major player, right? Dopamine is responsible for your ability to feel pleasure, satisfaction, motivation. When you feel good because you achieved something, it's because your brain gives you a surge of dopamine. That's the feel good part, right? So when you're in post-acute withdrawal and you have some of that anhedonia and your brain is trying to figure out what to do and how much to make, you don't have the right levels of dopamine. So your surges are smaller, you know, so your moments of feeling good or accomplished or whatever. Low dopamine levels can also make you feel fatigued, uh, restless, irritable, unmotivated, sad, anxious, of course, that focus like I was talking about, it's hard to focus on things. Sleeping habits can be weird. Moods can be weird. The brain fog is low dopamine. And when your brain isn't producing enough dopamine, your body has struggles too. All of that stuff is connected. So your body is going to feel symptoms of that also. The other big one is serotonin. And what's crazy about serotonin is serotonin is primarily in your digestive system. You may have heard people say that like your stomach is your second brain. This is why your stomach is directly connected to your brain and those natural feel good things. What you eat has a direct effect on how you feel. So and exercise, how much you exercise has a direct effect on how you feel. And when I say exercise, I don't mean you need to go to the gym and do CrossFit or something. Listen, just get up off your buns and go for a walk. Like this isn't hard. You don't have to go for an hour. Go for 15 minutes. Go for 10 minutes. I don't care. Walk to the end of your driveway and back. I don't care what you do. Just get up and do something, anything. It all helps. So if you're having a hard time getting engaged in some exercise, just give yourself a tiny goal. Walk to your stop sign at the end of your street and back. It doesn't have to be big. It's just about taking action rather than being stuck in inaction. Serotonin in your brain regulates anxiety, happiness, moods, and same thing like dopamine. Low levels of serotonin are associated with depression. It affects your sleep, right? Like there's so many things going on here and there are so many ways to help this process along so you can feel better faster. And there are some simple, simple things you can do that increase dopamine. And here's what I want you to be aware of. You're going to have a natural tendency to say, I don't want to do that. That sounds boring. That sounds dumb. That sounds lame. I'm not doing that. That's not going to help me. 
Because when you get tools that seem small and insignificant, we can automatically discredit them, right? We'll go, eh, that's not going to work for me, or that's nothing. I do that all the time. But I want you to listen to this because it's science, my friend, science, okay? And science isn't messing around. So just some of the most simple things you can do to increase dopamine, listen to music, eat some good clean foods. Hang on, I have this written down. Um, Foods that are rich in tyrosine, almonds, eggs, fish, and chicken are especially good for boosting dopamine levels. Look, simple, right? But this is stuff you're doing. You're talking about an internal system. So do some internal things. And this other one, this last one that I wrote down is so freaking huge and so simple. And I've been really getting into this one lately, like reading more about it. Spend more time outdoors. Science consistently shows that low exposure to sunshine can reduce levels of mood-boosting neurotransmitters, including dopamine. Increased sun exposure, we all know vitamin D, right? Helps raise dopamine levels. Listen, those are three simple things. Three simple things. Listen to music. And the listening to music thing, there's a study that showed people listening to instrumental songs, like just instruments, which I love. I love all music, but (laughs) listening to instrumental songs gave a 9% increase in brain dopamine levels. Just listening to instrumental music. I mean, that's pretty simple, you guys. So listening to music, eat some almonds, eggs, fish, and chicken, and go outside. Look, increased dopamine. We're already solving problems around here. And I'm going to put a lot more of these solutions in your quick start guide to feel better faster is the quick start guide. You can get it at addictionunlimited.com forward slash 200. So let's go through this and recap really quickly before I wrap this up. Post-acute withdrawal is what happens after your initial detox process, right? Your initial acute detox process is going to be your first two weeks. Let's just call it two weeks, 10 to 14 days. Your first two weeks, you're in that. After that, then you're going into this part of post-acute withdrawal, which is your brain's opportunity to heal and recalibrate and adjust to your new normal without substance. In post-acute withdrawal, you can have um, foggy thinking, uh, trouble remembering things. You may have urges to use or drink and cravings, of course, irritability. Your sleep might be messed up. You might be really tired. That I had that a lot. I was super tired for months. I was really tired. Uh, your fine motor skills might be off super sensitive to stress, anxiety, panic attacks, depression, can't focus, mood swings all over the place. That is the beauty of post-acute withdrawal syndrome. (laughs) Okay, pause, P-A-W-S, post-acute withdrawal syndrome. Those are the things you're going to be going through. And these can last from months through your first year. Like I said, I've read places that say some of those symptoms can carry on into two years. But what I have seen over all the years of doing this is a lot of this stuff I feel like starts to lift somewhere around that nine-month mark. 
And I say that, but let, there's a caveat here, because I think this depends on how much energy you're putting into your recovery. If you are super active in your recovery process and you're really doing things to feel better, to help your body heal, to help your brain heal, this stuff, you're going to heal from this stuff faster, right? But if you are someone who is kind of doing the bare minimum, you're in the yo-yo sobriety, you know, where you relapse, you get a little bit of time and you relapse, well, then you're not in a consistent healing process. So it's going to take longer. So I just wanted to point that out. But let's say post-acute withdrawal is your first few months to year of sobriety. And a big thing to be aware of here is that anhedonia. Remember, because the substance causes a surge of dopamine, which gives you the euphoria. That's why we feel so good when we're doing drugs and drinking. And when you take the substance away, your brain isn't making that stuff anymore, right? Again, your brain has to recalibrate. It has to heal and figure out what it's doing. So that anhedonia can make you feel really sad because your dopamine is so low. So jump over and get your quick start guide, okay? Feel better faster. I'm going to put a lot of great information in here. I really want you to have some action steps to take to start to heal and feel better faster, which is why I named it Feel Better Faster. <laughs> Addictionunlimited.com forward slash 200. And remember too, you guys, before I close, I just opened enrollment for the six-week signature coaching program. If you've ever had an interest in doing that, go sign up and get a consultation with me this week because we are going to be starting the next group of that. Otherwise, you guys, I love you. Thank you so much for being here with me. Thank you for spending this time with me. Thank you for making our podcast incredible. Thank you for being a part of my community so I can get to know you and get some of your good energy. I just love you guys. Episode 200, we are crushing it sober, my friends. I hope you're having a fantastic day. I will see you next week. You've reached the end of another great episode of the Addiction Unlimited podcast. Candid and honest conversation about addiction and recovery. Be sure to visit us at addictionunlimited.com to join the conversation and access show notes and links to everything we talked about. Love this episode? Please take 30 seconds to subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes to help us improve and give you the information you want. Thanks for listening. See you next week.